0: That's who. And on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, i got to get him on here because he's a former Colts player. You loved him playing linebacker. You remember him. 03 to 2011 with 707 total tackles. A friend of this show, and he's going to be at the uh, Colts VIP tailgate coming up with bullseyeeventgroup.com. That's on Sunday, the FanDuel Lounge. And every week, FanDuel is going to have a marquee Colts alumni to hang out with you. I'm going to start things at 9 a.m. The doors open at 10, and you're going to be fortunate enough to have a friend of this show, Gary Brackett, with you. Inside the Bullseye Event Center coming up on Sunday. Hello, Gary. How are you? Man, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Gary, I couldn't, uh, couldn't be better to have you on here as well. Hey, what's uh, going to be like Sunday? Going to get down there with my friend Kyle Kinnett inside the FanDuel Lounge, hang out a little bit, a little pre-gaming oh. going on, I assume? Man, shake hands, kiss babies, getting ready for, you know, an exciting <laughs> Coltsburg Rams game.
3: Um, the Colts are hot right now, two in a row. So great time to be a Colts fan.
0: What, what do you think of what you've seen? Now, we'll start defensively. Because that's the position you played for so many years and so well here. What have you seen about this defense that you've been really impressed through the first three weeks of the season? Uh,
3: First of all, I I just got to shout out my dog, Zaire Franklin, man. He's been playing like an absolute maniac. Um, Obviously him, some of the other captains, Shaq Leonard, uh, leaders of that team. Um, But it's just been very impressive. I mean – they're getting to the quarterback. Uh, they're they're getting stops on third down. They're making plays. So uh, and it's, and it's multiple different players stepping up. So you love to see that on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, some of those young guys stepping up, making some plays.
0: So Gary Brackett who joins us, Bullseye Events Center in the Fanduel Lounge coming up on Sunday prior to that Colts home game with the Rams. 10 a.m. The doors open down at Bullseye, and and I'm assuming you and You and Zaire Franklin probably share some similar traits. He comes out of Syracuse, you know, not a great deal of conversation. You come out of Rutgers, not a great deal of conversation. And then substantially making your mark. You guys kind of on the same plane with the track career-wise? You guys have that common bond there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I have
3: a great deal of respect for him. I've met him multiple times. I've got to hang out with him a few times. Um you just look at, you know, first year, a couple years, special teams guy, got an opportunity to go to Mike Linebacker and just, you know, um, really took advantage of it. So definitely a lot of respect for him. But really I think the, the biggest attribute uh, is his ability to play from the neck up. Um, you know, a lot of people don't really mention um, how, how cerebral he is at, at the time during the game, um, jumping routes, or even, you know, uh, making a bunch of tackles. So I think he's doing a really good job, and, and the defense has been flying around, so it's been fun to watch.
0: He's Gary Brackett, the former coach linebacker via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, How has the linebacker position evolved, Gary, from when you were a player to how you see guys like Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, and Shaquille Leonard playing it for the Colts now?
3: Yeah, I mean, the Colts, I think, and this is Chris Ballard, uh, He he, he like those, you know, rangy guys, right? 6'3", long arms, you know, that sort of build. Um, but I think um, even, you know, towards the tail end of my career, it just became a really uh, a passing league. And linebackers, I would always say, uh, we got to hit with the buffalo run with the deer. Right? So we got to be able to stop the run right. and also play on third downs in those weighed down situations. And I think, you know, that's a lot of the linebackers now um, aren't those big thumpers, 250, 260. There's guys that can make plays on third down uh, when there's a bunch of our receivers on the, on the field.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Gary Brackett with us. Uh, this is clearly a rebuild for this Colts team. And I guess on Sunday, you're going to get the start of Anthony Richardson. He hasn't finished a game yet. Didn't play in that week three win on the road in Baltimore. But from what you've seen from Richardson, what, what tells you about what you believe he can be as, as he matures and grows? 21 years of age right now, still learning. But where do you think his ceiling is as this Colts quarterback?
3: Man, I think it's it's huge. I think from a defensive side uh, of the field, anytime you got a quarterback that can move the ball with his legs is always extremely frustrating. So uh we've seen in the first two weeks, obviously he had multiple touchdowns in both games he played. Um, I think he's very exciting on, on you know, with his feet. Obviously, uh with that comes the injuries. So obviously being more cautious about the hit he takes and the urgency he has when he's crossing the goal line and things like that. But um I saw him at training camp make like that one uh one legged throw on the run, sixty five yards on the money. So I think you can also throw the football. So I think people are going to be excited to see, you know, as the season progresses, him kind of find that chemistry with those wide receivers. And then not only running the football, you're going to see him be excited about his arm as well.
0: It's uh, Gary Brackett, the former Colts linebacker. And again, you can check him out. The Colts VIP tailgate with Bullseyeeventgroup.com inside the FanDuel Lounge. That is coming up on Sunday. Doors open at 10 a.m. And and they're going to have with FanDuel and Bullseye, a marquee Colts alumni to hang out with you every single Sunday home game. And Gary's going to be that marquee name, the former linebacker, coming up on Sunday. Yeah. do you at all equate, go back to 2012, and I, and I try not to, but sometimes I guess I force myself into it, and I know it's very early. It's like three weeks, they're 2-1, but there, is there any way that you can equate or maybe compare to that surprise 11-win season they had in Lux rookie campaign in, in 2012 compared to the start of this season and some of the good fortune that they have and they also create by hanging in there until the end of games?
3: Yeah, no question. Uh, new coaching staff, right? And I think a lot of excitement yeah. around that. Um, I think, you know, maybe not on a lot of teams' radar. I mean, you saw last week, I mean, uh, all the pundits had, you know, Baltimore winning big in that game, right? And we just stayed in there, just a greedy team. So, I think, you know, we have some potential huge upside uh, with a running back, right? We can get that situation figured out. So I think there are some parallels just because this is a young, scrappy team with a lot of talent, you know, built around. So I think if they continue to play good football, they could definitely, you know, shock them, you know, get get, get in a good conference seed and
0: potentially, you know, host a playoff game. How many former Colts players do you still stay in touch with to this day, Gary? Oh, man, quite a bit. You know, my
3: dog, Kato June, uh, David Thorne, uh, yep. as well as her Wang. So I see those guys, obviously, multiple times uh, throughout the year. Milo Jackson, obviously, uh, I keep in touch with him. He's still out here. Um, some of my Rutgers guy, Eric Foster. Um, uh, some of the defensive guys, Melvin Bullitt, um, You know, I see Saturday, Deem. So qu- quite a few of the guys. I mean, I feel like we're always celebrating someone, you know, every year, you know, going into the ring of yeah. honor or multiple times down in Canton, guys going into the Hall of Fame. Um it's surreal how many times I've been to the Hall of Fame and how many times I will continue to go just on those, you know, seasons that we play. You know, we already have five members there, probably another three or four is going to go there. So we really have some great teams and some great guys, you know, who, 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 when I was there with the Colts.
0: Well, uh, uh, Gary, I mean, your era was the standard. I mean, that's yeah. why I call it the golden era. I mean, there's it, there's there's a lot that's going to have to be lived up to to get in the neighborhood of what you guys accomplished. And then I always talk about this before you got there. And and certainly the Manning era began before you got there as well. But, I mean, there wasn't much to go on. And there was like a a Comet type of late season in 95 with Jim Harbaugh and going to the AFC title game. But there wasn't really anything prior to that. And and the standard you guys set is going to be the one that – that this group, starting with Anthony Richardson right here, will try to to try to reach one of these days, and, and Colts fans hope they see it.
3: Yeah, no, it's almost like you take it for granted, right? I, I was a six uh-huh. season in a row with twelve win seasons, right? I mean, it's almost yeah. unheard of. I mean, we have a record for the most wins in any decade of football. Um, so at the time, you know, we were just doing our job. We were just taking it one one day at a time, um, competing really hard at practice, making practices tougher than in games. And then when you got to the games, you know it was time to have some fun. So, uh, man, the, the the way that you know obviously Mr. Irsay, uh Bill Polian, and, and Coach Dunphy, you know, crafted those teams not only with talented players, but really guys that brought into a system that played together, and we loved one another, right? We supported one another in the community, um, we rolled with, with, with one another on the field. So I think it was a great team, um, but, but even better chemistry and, you and, know, and, and guys still support one another.
0: I'm asking you this, Gary, because I, I didn't I saw him maybe uh, two or three weeks ago. Does it piss you off like it does me that Marlon Jackson looks exactly the same now as he did when he was 21? Because it pisses me off. <laughs> you know, it, it's, when you're bald like
3: he has a bald hair, bald face, right? So you can't see any grades, right? he shaves it all off. Myself, man, I got hundreds of grades. So, uh, uh, yeah, he, but he's lean still. I think he does that Pilates. Uh, obviously, he's out in the community doing a great thing. Uh, his foundation and his fight for life and what he's doing in the school system is just amazing, so I commend him uh, for sure. But, yeah, he, he does not age at all. He's definitely Benjamin Button. No.
0: I uh, I look like 10 miles of chewed bubblegum half the time, man. I did, every time I see him, I go, God dang, man, seriously? Come on, man. He looks exactly hey, did, like did, the same. Did you play
3: in the softball game this year?
0: No, luckily I didn't do that. No. Okay. <laughs> Did, yeah, you- <laughs> I, I, I didn't do that either. I think we might we might have to retire, man. I know. Think, it might be time. It is. And by the way, I'll look for you coming up on Sunday. Again, the Colts VIP tailgate with Bullseye. The FanDuel Lounge, every week's going to have a Colts alumni. And coming up in the FanDuel Lounge on Sunday is going to be former Colts linebacker Gary Brackett. And he's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I'll see you down at Bullseye on Sunday, man. It's great to have you back on the show. And stay in touch, man. It's always great to hear from you.
3: No doubt, man. Looking forward to seeing you.
0: On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I have sorted through at least the portions in which I know Nate Atkins of the Star who joins us now. It seems like you guys that cover the team on a daily basis all kind of hit with an avalanche of new and somewhat disturbing injury wise information on this particular glorious Friday. Were you not today?
1: Yeah, I'd say that was a little surprising. You know, for the past couple weeks, we've been in this mode of tracking guys in the concussion protocol, obviously, and Brian Kelly. But when you got to Wednesday and Thursday of this week, and both guys practiced in full, I, you know, I was hoping we were kind of out of that. Uh, but you know, we get out there, and Ryan Kelly was in street clothes, and I knew that was not the best sign. Uh, you know that, you know, the, the final step they have to get two practices in, and then they have to be cleared by an independent doctor, and that was. I think the part with Ryan Kelly that you know he wasn't able to clear that, and he's had a mm. and he's had a history of brain injuries, so, um, so so that's been a challenge for him. And then we find out that Bernard Ryman, uh, their left tackle, had symptoms of the same kind of injury uh, from practice today. He was on the injury report yesterday, so out there in practice uh, just goes to show you kind of the ever-present risk of this stuff, and uh, it's a situation like with Ryman where protocol is set up to where if they diagnose you with a brain injury you know you're out for you know you're out until you can clear that protocol so we know Ryman's out for sure uh Ryan Kelly it seems like likely to be out but I you know they do have I'm not sure quite how that works if they'll test him again tomorrow or what the deal is but we'll get so did he Kelly
0: Kelly did not, hold on, I'm sorry, Ned, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Kelly did not officially get ruled out. Ryman, because he still has to go through concussion protocols, not going to be able to make it. But Kelly still has an opportunity if he clears a protocol hurdle, let's say tomorrow, for example, correct?
1: As far as I know, you know, Shane Sykin as always doesn't fully lay all this stuff out. Um, He just told us that he wasn't able to clear the protocol. So, you know, they have a day tomorrow where they have a walkthrough, and that is at times has been counted as a practice. Um, I don't know if it's a deal where you know if he, if he failed the test, he gets you can go back steps in the protocol. So we just have to see exactly where he is, and in an hour we'll get the full injury report to see kind of where they're at. And then that's where we'll also learn about Braden no. Smith, who was out today with a hand injury. So uh, Colts offensive line has a lot going on. They did get Quentin Nelson back you know, a left guard uh, after after some days off of the toe injury. But it's, it's possible that they could be without three linemen on Sunday, and that's uh, obviously a concern going up against Aaron Donald.
0: No doubt about that. Nate Atkins of the Star covers the Colts. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline on a Bud Light Blue Friday. Mucky Duck, Southport, and 65 on the south side. So, yeah, I, it's almost like I, I consider both Ryman and Kelly probably – probably going to miss but i I guess there is maybe a final opportunity for kelly coming up tomorrow but going by the the body language and you know in street clothes today you you probably would guess that maybe you would guess on the side i guess if you're a betting person on the side of non-participation on sunday wouldn't you
1: yeah for sure especially you know it's when they say he wasn't able to clear the protocol you know that I, i just don't i'd be surprised if an extra day makes that difference But we should be able to see here in an hour. Uh, But that's where my expectation is that they'll have Wesley French again out there. He made his first start last week in Baltimore, and that went, you know, obviously well enough to win, but different challenge this week with Aaron Donald. So I'm expecting them to be at least down two linemen and possibly a third based on where Braden Smith is.
0: Is, uh, is, is is Freeland going to be left tackle, right tackle, or is Hambright going to be a left tackle? How do you do that at left tackle? And then it gets even more muddy if Braden Smith can't give it a go on Sunday.
1: Yeah, we talked to Frank Freeland today, and he's waiting to see how that's going to shake out because he could play left and right tackle. My understanding is that Arlington Hambright, who's their other tackle option, is you know, he's, he's a left-side kind of guy. I don't know that that means he can't play the right side, but if Braden Smith were to miss, uh, Blake Freeland would, would be the right tackle, Arlington Hambright the left tackle. If it's just Bernard Ryman who's out, I expect Blake Freeland to be in there at left tackle. So that's some of the confusion. Both of those tackles miss, So you know, Blake Freeland could only get work you know, really at one spot as far as working with the starting unit, and they don't know which side he's going to need to start on. So it's a little hectic.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. I'm glad I have you here to help me sort through this right now because that's a hell of a lot of information with Nate Atkins of the star on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Now, on the other side of the football, um, your guess is as good as mine as far as the participation of DeForest Buckner on Sunday. What are we thinking?
1: Yeah, DeForest missed the entire week of practice, which obviously is not a great sign. He has a groin injury, but I will say with I've always reacted differently to participation and practice with DeForest and pretty much any other player, because he pretty much never misses, and he's missed a lot of practices. He's had weeks where he's missed basically the full week of practice, played in the game. He just seems to find a way come Sunday to play. I believe he's missed one game in his life in the NFL to an injury. He missed one game for a COVID protocol, and then he missed one uh, actual injury game, but that was back in San Francisco. So... I don't know how he's managed to do this, but he's dealt with a lot of issues over the years. And uh, my guess, just based on the history of it and just some other signs I've seen, I, I think he's going to play. But, yeah, we'll find out for sure on Sunday.
0: Hey, Nate, what's interesting, and I kind of set it up this way, in the past couple of weeks, the Colts have had the advantage with their defensive line working against both the Ravens and the Texans who were down critical offensive linemen. And now you get Aaron Donald, I mean, singularly is the guy and will go down as the all-time greatest, one of the all-time greatest working against all this inexperience along this Colts offensive line. It's almost like you flip the script from a Colts standpoint and how we felt they have an advantage in week two and week three, and you look at it from the same fashion in terms of what the Rams will have advantage-wise on Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting matchup in that way because I still think the Colts have that advantage on the side of the ball. The, the, uh, the, the Rams have been without Alaric Jackson, their left tackle, in practice this week, and we'll see for sure whether he's going to play. But the Rams have offensive line issues. If you watch them against the Bengals, they got pretty badly whooped in the second half. You know, Matthew Stafford's a pocket quarterback. So that's another area where I thought they were gonna have a big edge. But the problem is that, you know, the Rams have the same, if not more of an edge, because of the issues the Colts are dealing with and the fact that they have Aaron Donald who's not only the three time defensive player of the year, but a guy who can move all around. You know, they'll play him it's to Force Buckner but even to a higher level where they'll play him Staps on the on the edge to get him one-on-one matchups. They can move him, you know, over your left guard or your right guard or your center, or your right tackle, and they'll just do that interchangeably. So guys won't really get used to the way he's trying to attack them. They'll just kind of deal with him. When you're dealing with him on, you know, third and eight, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be miserable for those guys. There's really no way around it. Other than that, they just have to find some kind of plan. Uh, it's really, really a test of Shane Sykin and Jim Bob Cooter. This kind of plan that they're going to give a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson to survive this because they can't, they just can't expect to have pass protection this week, given their issues, given the opponent, and also the fact that I expect the Rams to blitz because I mean, why wouldn't you after what the Ravens just yeah. did with Kyle Hamilton? You know, especially when you've got you know new offensive linemen coming in. And, like, that, that's the type of situation where you just take advantage of guys who haven't worked next to each other. I expect them to really come after this rookie quarterback on Sunday. So it's interesting where, on one hand, obviously it's great that they get Anthony Richardson back and that he's, you know, he's through the concussion protocol. But the lesson of the past two weeks has been trying to find ways to better protect Anthony Richardson, and that's a lesson they've often given him about, you know, protect yourself and look out for yourself. But a lot of it's going to fall on them of how, how do they design an offense that gives him a chance to be protected with, you know, given what he's up against this week.
0: So, Nate Atkins, one final thing before I let you go. We kind of buried the lead on this. Oh, by the way, Anthony Richardson, as you detail, is going to be the starter again after clearing concussion protocol. And same style of playbook, same style of quarterback, running the football, all all of that is going to be Anthony Richardson. How do you think that does going up against this Rams defense we've seen through the first three weeks of this NFL season?
1: it'll be interesting I you know I expect that the Rams they you know they like to take away your big plays and that's been sort of a theme defenses against Anthony Richardson what they understood of him coming out of college was you know he's a he's a you know he's got a huge arm extend plays and go down the field and the Colts have not generated any of that as, as part of a reaction to how defenses are playing and so I kind of felt like the, the Rams were going to employ that same strategy of kind of keep safeties back and kind of force this rookie and this young offense to drive the whole length of the field, understanding that, number one, they don't have – or they haven't yet shown to have a lot of players who, with the ball in their hands, can, you know, make a ton of guys miss and create explosive plays kind of, you know, within the structure underneath. And then also, you just trust that over the course of time, you know, something is going to go wrong with the offense to where, you know, it works out as a win for the defense. Uh, it'll be interesting how they mix because I think there, there will be aggressiveness in terms of blitzing in certain moments for the, the reasons I just laid out. So it's gonna, no. I expect it to be a little passive in the sense that they'll keep safeties back and not just kind of give it all on one play. But they'll stay aggressive and kind of maybe leave underneath windows to see if Anthony Richardson will be able to read that, react to it well, and, and throw behind the blitz. But who knows? They may not need to do that if Aaron Donald is just going to wreck it as badly as I think he might be able to. And it's going to be interesting to see so far because Anthony's only started, you know, played five quarters. It's been a pretty uh, conservative game plan for him. Uh, But, you know, this is a game with so much happening that at some point, like it happens for all rookies, at some point he's going to have rookie moments where he's trying to do a little more than maybe what's there. This week it's easy to see where there's going to not be opportunity to just – to sit back and play it safe. So we'll kind of see how, how risky he gets and um, and what the Rams can do to try to make him pay. Um, the one thing that really yeah. helps him, obviously, is the ability to move around. Uh, his, his mobility right. is going to be everything in this game because you're just, you know that they're not going to be able to pass protect the way they want to with what they've got up front. So it really helps to have a quarterback who's hard to bring down and who's also really fast and can turn pass plays into run plays. So I expect that to be a huge part of what they do.
0: Yeah, and not not only that, but he's also missed out on the running game of, of Zach Moss, certainly last week and for the better part of the week prior in week two down in Houston that went too. So certainly that could open things up if the possibility is there. Hey, Nate, thanks for jumping on here with that late info on this afternoon, man. I appreciate you. We'll see you down there on Sunday.
1: Yep, no problem. We'll see you there.
0: He returns from his one-week-long hiatus to bring us back in with from ESPN Radio, a Mike Wells slow jam. Sweet
5: love.
0: <laughs> hey,
2: I'm not gonna lie. I don't know this Anita, Anita Baker song too well.
0: I just know she has a little
2: sweet
1: love.
0: Well, that's I all, tried to set you. I, I tried to set you up. With the, uh, the main lyric right there. That's why I kind of walked you up to that so you didn't have to deal with a lot of the lyrics you don't know. Um, this is um, something uh, back in 19... 19- this came out at 86 from Rapture. It's a great song from Anita Baker. I've been told that she's tough to deal with now. But a oh voice, which is incredible. That. And did you know... Did you know at the Eastern Green Prom in 1987... Um, I was a part of the, and I hate committees, right? Committees always suck. They always get it wrong. You got a bunch of knuckleheads, a bunch of knobs involved. And you tell me a committee, and I'll tell you exactly how they screw something up. And I was a part of the prom committee. And, of course, they came to me and said, hey, what what prom song do we need? And I said, well, I need something where I can maybe do some hand and she in here later on this evening. I got to get something where we can get down, right? Get down at the Frangipani room on the campus of Indiana University, inside the Memorial Union. So I gave them. I gave them Shake You Down by Gregory Abbott. I gave them Love You Down by Ready for the World. I gave them the choice of Anita Baker's sweet love. And this idiot committee, along with me, outvoted me for Stand By Me for Benny King. Are you kidding me? Come Come on, man. Come on, same you know what? And thus, thus, nobody, nobody at Eastern Green and the 1987 prom got any thing whatsoever. Nobody scored. Nobody scored. Well done, hey, so, Eastern Green. So and I'm still pissy. What telling, so what you're telling me is, at the end of the night, there were no.
2: Yeah. It was not a happy oh, ending no. night for those. Oh. And, uh, well, I mean, yeah. The
0: prom. It was a self. It, it was a self-service happy ending, if it was anything.
2: Oh, my God. Hey, you, you were you were from you were bragging about, oh, my God, I'm going to be part of this prom committee. I'm oh, going yeah. to have the jams on. I'm going to have to get oh, the yeah. music on. And all of a
0: sudden, you act like you didn't know those people because you're like, I didn't, oh. I didn't pick this beat. It was completely embarrassing, and I love my classmates. I do to this day. But how you just don't say, all right. None of us are right except for John right here. I don't know how they didn't do that. Benny King. And then the next year they come back and give me the theme song from Dirty Dancing. And I I just put my hands up at that time. I went, hey, man, nobody in here is ever going to get anything. Do you guys not know how to close a deal or nothing? So I needed to teach a class back then, but they didn't offer that um, up for me to teach. But it it was ridiculous, and it still... It still eats at me all these years later. So
2: let, let me ask you this, John. Based mm-hmm. on the songs that ended up playing and the songs you wanted to play, right. are you the closest thing to a brother in your high school, man?
0: Well, you know what's interesting about that? And people automatically think, hey, um, did, you went to, to Eastern, and there are a lot of rednecks, and, and there were and are and always will be. But I was fortunate, and I make fun of this committee. I was fortunate that I was in a class with so many like-minded thinkers and friends. It, it, there were no cliques. I mean, we were all we all go to the same things, all go to the same parties, all hang out together at school, away. You know, we, we, you know, Sports, um, just you know, social events, whatever. And I will look back on that class of 88 as that. Sure, we had rednecks, and I'm sure I was one of them. But we were all very like-minded thinkers, and it just—it didn't occur to us that, that Anita Baker or Gregory Abbott or Ready for the World was an, an urban sound, for example, or an R&B sound. It occurred to us that it just sounded really good, and we wanted to play it. Yeah. So I, I will always say that, um, that I, I grew up in, a, in, in a, a great time where I went to school, because I don't know if that was always the case, but it was in 1988.
2: Well, did y'all have a 35-year reunion for you this year? Because you could have really – you could have had a JMV takeover on a Saturday night at your 35-year high school reunion.
0: Yeah. No, um, they are. I think they're doing it in uh, in Bloomfield, and it's on a Saturday night, in which I can't make it. But, yeah, it – It is coming up. I I do. I I feel as close to all. I don't know how you feel about this. I feel as close to all of my classmates today as I did back then because I, I guess I have such a great recollection and memory of absolutely everything. That I can share with them, I'm like the I'm like the walking yearbook. I can share, hey, this is what we did in October of '86. This is what we did in March of '87. You know, this is what we did in December of '88. I can come with all that stuff and and get these instant memories. But I, I, I love them all dearly. But it was an incredibly awful decision on the prom committee going into 1987. An awful decision. They should have leaned on me and they didn't.
2: Now, do you ever, have you ever um, see any females that you were trying to get lucky with back in high school, and you look at them now <laughs> and say, uh-huh, you should have taken me when you could because now I'm too good for you?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I do. Actually, when I got past Eastern Green, I do. Um, I do that. You know, but, no, I mean, I was – you know what? I sound really cool, but there was also a clownish part of me. And I can kind of understand. I mean, I had a mirror back then, Mike. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can kind of understand why. But, uh, nah, you know, that's what's great about that. When you grow up with a group like that, I mean, you just kind of remain friends forever. And those are moments you think about. and They were cool as hell, but you move on. And, and I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud to tell people where I'm from and what year I graduated. And uh, very proud to tell people who my friends are because they, they remain Solidly, my friends, today much like they were 35 years ago.
2: What's What's amazing, I think we've. Uh, I know people are like, "Can you guys please talk about Rams and Colts?" What's amazing yeah. is the older the older I've gotten, the more I realize how I value how much more I value friendships because I'm sure you've come across some yes. phony people. I've come across a number of phony people, and you. I keep my circle. Uh, my circle has gotten smaller the older I've gotten.
0: Yeah, I, I love – this is what I love, and I've always been like I want the most friends around me, and I'm very easy to get along with. If you treat me, I'll treat you like you treat me. But, I mean, if you don't, then we're not going to have a friendship, and I don't want to hang around you. But I like making friends, and this is why doing these these live shows have always meant so much to me yeah. because I've met so many of my friends out yeah. here, like on the back deck at the Mucky Duck or – you know, wherever we are yesterday at the Ale Emporium up in up in Castleton. It's always very special. And never take this for granted either because you kind of did, yeah. and it all stopped in 2000 with the pandemic, and you didn't get a chance to do it. So I never, never take this for granted, but I, I love meeting people, talking to people about various things, seeing where they're from, kind of understanding their background. So this has always been pretty special. Days like this are, are incredibly special. And as many friends as possible, Mike, that's exactly – Exactly how I want to uh, to look at it. So what's going on in the ESPN Radio world of you?
2: Yeah, you know, man, it, it, it's kind of quiet right now. Uh, and it's been about, a, what, a week and a half or so since I've been on. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, en- I'm enjoying sitting back. I'm glad Chris Hagan put his foot down, got my CBS 4 and Fox 59 back on. Too bad his ass waited until I couldn't get my $100 a month off for a year to uh, let me know about it. But it's good being able to watch the Colts. And I've, what I find amazing is the number of fans, not all of them, it's only a small number of them, who are screaming, oh, let Gardner Minshew continue to start, even though Anthony Richardson is out of concussion protocol and he's going to be good to go. They're not not—they're looking at it from a short-sighted vision of Minshew has helped the Colts win two games, win two games in a row to go two on one. And not looking at it as... Gardner Minshew is not the long-term answer at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson needs to be out there. Let him play good. Let him take his lumps and continue to get better because he is the guy. He's he's the present and the future for this franchise.
0: Uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What's funny, but thank you very much. Thank you. What's funny about that is I had people actually asking me, "Hey." Since he performed in won two games, one off the bench and one as a starter, you know, should they trade him? And everybody around here still always wants to talk about, you know, trade value or draft capital or any of this crap. And I said, listen, why can't you just soak up right now the fact that you have a 21-year-old starter that has yet to remain healthy enough to finish out a game, and then you have an adequate backup that you feel comfortable in where clearly his best value is is right here with that in mind i don't understand some folks i know that's what losing does to you you know the the depression of of losing sets in and you're always thinking about what's three and four and five years down the road but you have anthony richardson in that developmental process right now and then you have gardner menchu just in case as we've seen so far that can mop up a game or come in and start and give you a great effort his highest value is right here and some folks around here for whatever reason, they just don't understand it. Give 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 me
2: Gardner Minshew in small doses. The type of doses that we've seen where he came in against Houston and replaced Richardson, went on the road and had had a kicker make four field goals of at least fifty yards and do enough for so the Colts not to lose a game. But that's enough. Give me, you know, he, he's kinda he's a modern day Jacoby Brissett for the Colts. I like Jacoby Brissett in the small doses, but long term, big picture, multiple games—heck, no, that is not the guy. Because those he he, they, he will get exposed and prove and show and prove why he's a backup quarterback in the NFL.
0: Yeah, and listen, maybe to a degree, you you could kind of see that in that Baltimore game, but he hung with it and then didn't turn the ball over, which I think is the biggest thing. Uh, for that, and then obviously they they stayed in it with one another, and you know knocked it home with Matt Gay in that overtime field goal from 53 for the win. And I think Mike, that's really all that you're looking for out of him. Because I, I think I think that it it's kind of urban legend that he can be this great quarterback, you know, and win you games and do this and take you to the postseason. Really, he's just in there to help sustain. When you're going through a quarterbackless troubled time right now, that's where his highest value is, and that's here.
2: Yep, it, it, it sure is, and I, I know you addressed it. I'm sure you addressed this several times this week. But what Moss is doing at the running back position for the Colts, yeah. what he's doing is he's lowering that dollar dollar amount for Jonathan Taylor, in my opinion, because what what Moss has proven is the theory of okay, see. You can sit there. Running backs are replaceable. They are sitting here replaceable. As good as Jonathan Taylor is, Mosses went out and pounded the ball and helped out. Whether it was Minshew, to help out Minshew, or oh, actually the first game was garbage uh, for the Colts in the running game. But it, it it shows that you can have you can put players back there who can help ease the pain in the quarterback spot, and it doesn't have to be the quote unquote headline guy.
0: What's so up, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio is with us. Hey, this is just your judgment, my judgment, our opinions here. You think Jonathan Taylor sits someplace and is upset about this 2-1 and start and wishes that it could be 0-3 and wishes that there was a desperate need for his availability right now? Do you think he feels that way? Or, you know, once he has to make that decision, and I think the lone one he has, unless he is traded, is to end up running the football right here, do you think that he'll reacclimate? easy because of the type of start with the positivity around this team we've seen so far that they've had
2: right, I'm gonna preface, preface this again on what you just said this is just your my my opinion off of this but I gotta believe Jonathan Taylor's like oh my god I can't believe they're two and one I can't believe they're able to run the ball without me because I'm sure as time went on and he was quote unquote Dealing with that ankle injury and nursing it and whatnot, he was hoping that, man, the running game would be flat-out atrocious. They start the season 0-3, and then they are forced to pay me my money. Instead, the opposite has happened. They went on the road, and they were knocked off a playoff-caliber team in Baltimore, uh, go on the road to beat Houston, and have a decent running attack. So it hurt his value on what – he probably thinks you could have got as you said back.
0: Yeah, I I just think about it here, and I don't know what your thought is, Mike, but after this weekend, and we'll find out early this week, I don't expect him to come back right away. The dude hadn't practiced basically since December, uh, team wise. So I don't expect him to come right back and participate. I just don't see any other avenue that he has. If the Colts stand firm on not threading him. Dude's got to come back, got to play. Um, and again, all signs point to, again, him being healthy and ready to go. I just don't see, unless there's something contractually or the NFLPA I'm completely unaware of, I don't see that he has any alternative other than that after next week.
2: He has zero alternative off of it. And I'm going to tell you now, John, if the Colts beat the Rams and move to 3-1, I'm hunting Jim Ursay down after the game and I'm and we, we know how we have all talked to or heard Ursay after a win. He gets excited. And that this this is a scenario that I would like to see. It's gonna to be tough with Aaron Donald out there, but for Moss to go out and run for one fifty and the Colts run for two hundred plus yards of the team and they beat the Rams, Jim Ursay will be a animated man talking to the media, especially as they ask, Hey, Jonathan Taylor's ready to come off the club. It's coming, it's coming. And he's raving about Boss. That is the that is the perfect scenario I would love to see Sunday afternoon.
0: You know, and I'll take that even further. Mike Wells of ESPN radio joins us. If they're down, as it looks like, left tackle, center, and right tackle. Where you're going to end up having a dude named Arlington Hambright start at left tackle, um, a rookie, and Blake Friedland started right tackle, and and then Wesley French for his second time starting at center. If you survive, Aaron Donald, and especially Mike, if you're able, if you're Zach Moss to run the football, I mean, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to get back here and you got to show you can do something. If you're Jonathan Taylor here at some point, point. and we'll see if it happens that way. Because that offensive line is beyond dinged up as we sit here and talk right now. But if it works out that way on Sunday, then, I mean, if you're Jonathan Taylor's side here, I just don't know what choice that you're going to have, then jump back in and then maybe show what you can do, not just for the Colts, but for everybody else around the NFL.
2: Yeah, so, man, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping for that to happen. I don't, you know, I mean, Me too. I'm always neutral, yeah. but I mean, I can, from a storyline Perspective. If I'm the Colts media guys, you you want that to happen because it gives more attention on the Jonathan Taylor guy, and it, gets, it also gives Anthony Richardson his first win as a uh, starting quarterback in the NFL, and it shows that they can they have help for Richardson, so he doesn't have to do everything a with his arm and b with his own legs.
0: No, completely agree with you. And, Mike, I've always said this. and We know what the season is about. It is a rebuild. It is a reboot. It's been that way for this team, and it's that way for the general manager. We've seen all this, but there is never, ever anything wrong in the midst of a rebuild or a reboot. If you start your ass winning something, there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. We saw it in 2012. We saw it to a degree with the Pacers back in December. There is nothing wrong with building a little bit of winning enthusiasm in a place that has consistently seen so little of it over the past years. One hundred percent.
2: I mean, it, it'll be, it'll the, the, the roof is open. It will be, it'll be, it'll be so hot if in Lucas Oil Stadium if they find a way to pull that off, and. Man, I, I, I thought Baltimore was going to be their toughest team, the toughest team on the schedule early on and stuff. And you know, they, they there's the hope and optimism, is, and that's all anybody has asked for. Showing signs of promise, of potential—that is all anybody has asked for with this Colts team. And jumping to three and one as Jacksonville has staggered out of the gates would be something else.
0: Yep. So Ryan Kelly and left tackle Bernard Ryman. By the way, if you guys are new to Bernard Ryman, a left tackle being in concussion protocol, this really just kind of happened in hours prior to practice. And it's one of those situations where at the end of the week, you're not feeling any better than you thought. And the indicator is through uh, medical folks that you need to go into concussion protocol. So I guess you can look at it as something they didn't see, Coming out of Sunday, and certainly they didn't expect later on in the week. So, Bernard Ryman, the left tackle, and Ryan Kelly have officially been ruled out. Uh, and, and in terms of Arlington, the ham right, he's more of a left side guy, but some people suggest maybe Blake Freeland gets at left tackle, but you don't know about Braden Smith because he's still a question mark with injuries coming up on Sunday. So what may be Arlington Hambright at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard, Wesley French at center, Will Fries at right guard, and Blake Friedland, the rookie, at right tackle. That's maybe the look of this game on Sunday. And uh, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's probably sharpening the weapons as we speak. (laughs) So, with that in mind. Oh, heck yeah, heck yeah. Hey, um...
2: I got. We. we I got. I got to bring this up. What, what do you. What yeah. do you think of Chad uh, Buchanan, the Pacers' uh, general manager, of his comments and where things stand with Buddy
0: Hill? Um, I understand where they are with him because of what they have behind him, Mike. But I have said this: I don't care if it's this year, and he'll have to prove me wrong for years to come. But for this offense, he is crucial. He is essential. He's an elite-level three-point knockdown that's not just automatically going to fade and go away with age. He's never going to be able to guard you, but he's never been able to guard you. So that part, to me, is inconsequential here. But I think that, to me, without him, it affects the offense much more profoundly than it does the defense without him or putting somebody else younger that may be better defensively. So I'd be careful about you know, just so easily letting go of the Buddy Heald era here because you don't have a lot of elite-level makers from three, which is mandatory to have now to win, and he's certainly one of them. I don't know if I would so easily let him go or trade him at the trade deadline or feel that there are guys behind him younger that could fill that need so easily because I don't see it. I think that's going to take a while. I think that that will have a direct effect on your offense now and then further down the road.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get where they're coming from and stuff, but mm-hmm. are, So let me ask you this: you take you take mm-hmm. Buddy out. Who's the team's best three point shooter?
0: One more time. I'm sorry, I missed that part,
2: Mike. I said so. You, so Buddy's gone. He, you know, it doesn't work out, and yeah. he goes elsewhere. Who becomes the Pacers' best three point shooter?
0: Well, I mean, one of these days they want Ben Shepherd to be there, but I mean, hell, I'll probably be 60 years old before that happens, right? the The rookie out of Belmont, I mean, he's the end of the yeah. first round selection. So I'm, I'm thinking that's who, who they believe that, that they're going to have in that capacity. But he's not going to be ready for prime time. Now, granted, I mean, Buddy's but got one more year, and then you can make that decision. I just think that I, I, I would want to keep him around this team, at least for the short term, longer than this just year, just this year. That's my thought. Yeah, it'll be. I, I
2: gotta say, I'm, I'm excited,
0: man. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, it's bad news for the Pacers, though, that Dame is in the uh, Central Division with uh, Giannis now. And I mean, it'll be exciting when they game when they play them four times from a fan perspective. But man, it, it just makes things even tougher. Playoff team yeah. as you look at them right now. As we I mean, tra- start training camp is knocking on the door. Three's company to come and knock on your door style. Playoff team this year.
0: Oh yeah, 45 wins. Are they better. I get, they got expectations now, Mike. 45 wins in the playoff team. I'm not suggesting they're going to be in the top four, but they better win 45. 10-game improvement, 25 to 35 between the year prior and this past year, and then they should win 10 more compared to what they won a year ago. So 45 wins and in the postseason this is what I'm looking for. I think, I think
2: the fans will take that. Because, again, just like with the Pacers, it's going in the right direction.
0: It's showing that promise out there. Hey,
2: coach's debut on Sunday?
0: Uh, no, I don't think we're playing Sunday. I don't know when we play. Uh, the coach needs to know. The coach should know when we play, and he doesn't. Man. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we will, hey, By the way, too, um, I want to thank you for bringing up the fact where I grew up and, and how we got music. Because one of the thing, one of the ways I found music out Music that I didn't hear all the time when I grew up is because I had to go out and find it. I had to go out and find Run DMC and Curtis Blow and things like that, and I was better for that. That's one of the reasons I love it so much today is because it wasn't offered so much where I grew up, and you had to actually go out and find it. So that's, that's one of the hey, true so, reasons hey, when you asked a little bit the, earlier. So
2: what, what, what was that CD source called? Was it goodies? Or what was the, so- the CD oh, no. source called in the mall? The,
0: The Disc Jockey. Disc Jockey and Musicland in the Bloomington College Mall. And Karma. Karma, which was down on Indiana. I would sneak in there and uh, check out what they had. Stand in line for ticket sales and then occasionally look, hey, why do they have this big glass bong in here? It says decoration. I think it's being used to smoke marijuana. I'm not sure the decorative bongs back in the day.
2: Man, hey, listen, it was a a, a coffee table arrangement. That's what it was. It was. A coffee table arrangement. You got it, buddy. That's what it was, man. Hey, Jay, have a great weekend, my brother. I'll talk to you next week. You too, buddy.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a fixture in the 5 o'clock hour every Friday for a variety of reasons, including those of football. On the road right now, College Park, Maryland tomorrow, Indiana, and the turps underway at 3.30. By the way, Maryland, 4-0 and and 1-0 and in the Big Ten, and the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, joins us. Hello, Don. How are you? Good, John. How are you doing? How's College Park, Maryland, treating you today? <laughs>
6: Well, I just got here. I had to change rooms because the room I had didn't have air conditioning. So I've been... I've been flighting around here looking for, you know, just to get unpacked and everything. So, I've, I'm pretty much settled in now. I'm good.
0: <laughs> well, at least the room didn't have, like, blood or anything in it. That's good. <laughs> not, not
6: that I haven't, oh, I, haven't, I haven't examined it quite that closely yet, John, but uh, I don't think it has, no.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the trip to College Park for a team, and, and last weekend – was beyond odd because in four overtimes in four overtimes IU gets a win in football but much like has been the case there's, it's, it's kind of IU football like when you get a win and you still just get ripped to shreds for basically the week afterwards that's kind of the way that it's been against Akron and, and you look for those moments when they can make up for it and obviously tomorrow at 3.30 is one of those starting points
6: Well, there's no doubt. I mean, if you could knock off Maryland, the ball club that has started as hot as any team in the country at this point, they're 4-0. I think they are number two in the country in offensive yards uh, gained, which is pretty spectacular. Uh, It's a ball club that's defense has gotten better than it has been probably since Mike Locksley took over. That's five years into his program now. And they are, they are really doing a heck of a job. And, of course, they've got the quarterback that may be the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year just based on seniority and the fact that he has been around so long and it does such a great job. And that's uh, uh the brother of Tua Tungvaloa. So, uh, without question they've got the tools they've got a skill set that's uh, as next to uh, as good as anybody's in the conference uh, certainly at the wide receiving position their, their top running back uh, Roman Hemby hasn't probably had a break it out year at this point but man he can he can actually put numbers on the board and he's capable of doing that and they've been using a couple of other running backs too that have been productive at this point so He's not well, by himself, so I'm just, I am just—I know that if Indiana can somehow find a way to pull this one out, it would be a major upset, at least at the outset of this season.
0: Tagovailola, by the way, has 1,112 yards, eight touchdowns, and three interceptions, and you're talking about that offensive attack for that Terrapins team. It has been stout through the first four games of the season, Don, to say the least.
6: Yeah, they have, and, and like I say, they're, they're pretty balanced in that sense, but you know it's Tungabaloa who uh, everybody knows is the, is the key that makes them go. He got hurt, though, last year in the Indiana game, if you remember, early in the fourth quarter, maybe late in the third, I can't remember exactly what time it was that he got hurt. They came back and won that ball game behind Billy Edwards, Jr., who is still the backup quarterback for this team and played so well at that point. And I think Indiana may have thought with Tunga Valoa out of the ball game, uh, now this is our chance to pull it out. And maybe they lost a little of their edge. Whatever the case may be, they couldn't get Billy Edwards stopped any better than they could Tunga Valoa. But it was still a very tight ball game right to the end. It has been the last two years. It's a team that Indiana has given Maryland trouble with, and Indiana has the all-time series record against them seven to four. But in the last three years, uh, it has been two wins in a row now for. This Maryland ball club in Indiana needs to get that turned around.
0: All right, I do want to double back just for a moment to last Saturday night, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, what uh, what was your feeling sitting up there calling this game? I mean, it was it was weird because it's going, hey, you know, this is something you should be doing, you know, and obviously it takes a, a missed uh, field goal attempt from a, a punter in that situation, and then some other plays to be made in four overtimes to get that win. What would you make of that game as a whole? Um, I guess there's only one word
6: for it, ugly. Uh, there's no yeah. question. It was, it was a terrible performance by Indiana. Terrible in the sense that you expect them maybe not to dominate Akron, but at least to be the dominant factor in the ball game, and they weren't on either side of the football. Uh, the truth of the matter is, Taven Jackson had his worst game. And you know, you're you're a freshman. You're going to have some issues, but it all kind of started in the first quarter when Donovan McCulley dropped that pass with nobody around him. I mean, he had a 15-yard run to the end zone. Basically, could have walked in uh, and essentially because nobody was covering him at that point. That was, the, that was the first thing that you kind of noticed that maybe this team isn't quite as ready as we were led to believe that they would be against a team that you think Indiana should at least beat and beat soundly. Uh, that didn't happen. It, it took right down to the end of this contest. The defense didn't play well either. Uh, they were on the field too long, I think, in the second half. That was a factor because the offense couldn't do much. But at the same time, there just wasn't – there wasn't an edge to this football team. And you would think uh, a ball club that knows that they're right on that margin of maybe getting a chance to go to a bowl game if they can win uh, their third game of the season at this point early on, that maybe the confidence level builds, they get better as the season progresses and knock off two or three of these other Big Ten teams that don't look like they're off to great starts either i.e. Illinois and Rutgers. And, well, Rutgers is playing pretty well, but there are still teams that out there that Indiana can beat, and yet you gave away a ball game in, in a sense, or at least it felt like you gave away a ball game, in which Indiana didn't perform anywhere close to expectations. So right now, I think, John, the big key is what how does Indiana come back this week? Will they have the right mindset? I think they will because I would imagine – I think the locker room was more like a losing scenario last week after the ball game. Yeah. You certainly heard it in Tom Allen's voice at, at post-game comments. Uh, without question, he didn't think his team was ready to play, and he said, that's on me. Uh, and without doubt, this is a ball club right now. We know it's better than what we saw last week, but they're going to have to prove it on the football field, and tomorrow will be a real test.
0: Don, you are so right in terms of the players. I mean, how, how do you not know – I mean, basically, you have to just not be paying attention to anything to not know to go out and hey listen we 're at iU this is what this has been known for I mean before they were born for the most part, and we have to go out <laughs> we have to go out each and every time and play like we 're on fire, not be you know set on fire after the game and winning a four right. overtime game that everybody you know, made a lot of you and joked about you. I I mean, I I understand the coaching standpoint. That's always going to fall on Tom's shoulders, and it should. That's what we know it to be. But, man, how do these dudes not come out there, be ready to play in any given scenario is just ridiculous to me.
6: Well, I can't argue with that, John, because I've been doing this thing for this my 51st (laughs) years, you know. And I have seen this happen to Indiana football teams over the years, and it hasn't mattered who the coach was. It has happened many, many, many times, more than I would like to remember. Uh, and it, and like I said, it has not mattered who the coach was. This team has not been ready to play off and on through the years, and you just don't understand it because everybody else gets up. I mean, most of these other teams don't overlook people. And uh, even the Ohio States and the Michigans, uh, it's rare that they overlook somebody and yet you've got a penchant for doing that in your program, at least historically you do, and, and how do you not know that? And, and I, I can't believe that they don't. Maybe they don't follow history at all. Maybe they don't know much about their team. I mean, you've got 24 guys from the transfer portal on this ball club, plus freshmen, yeah. so 36 new faces basically on the ball club. Um, but that's on your leadership. That's on your players. That's on the guys that have been here for a while and know what they'll look for. Uh, I just don't get how you cannot be ready to play everybody that you play, especially when you're going up against the back team, who over the last uh, two decades have won three times over Indiana. Uh, they were beaten twice by Ball State, and I'm trying to remember who the old Bowling Green was, the other team that beat them. Yeah. That was on yeah. the road, of course. But, hey, that can't happen anymore. You just can't have that happen. And unfortunately, it did on Saturday. But Indiana won the game. I mean, we were talking like they lost it, but it felt like a loss more than it did a win.
0: It did, too, especially if you're talking about anybody in that program taking anything for granted in football. Um, That is the wrong approach immediately. Don Fisher joins us again. IU Maryland coming up tomorrow, 3.30. Your uh, game time begins. 2.30, your coverage downstairs on 93.00. W-I-B-C. I did want to get back to something, and I, I do know this because I know you so well. Uh, you don't pay attention. You're not on social media, and you really don't care, and I get that. But I, I did want to ask you, I'm assuming somebody has told you about the talk show on Wednesday night when when kindly an IU fan approached your table and basically, and I'm going to paraphrase here, told – told Tom that he needed to get a new offensive coordinator. Um, to me, that's just kind of the way that fans are. So it's very unsurprising considering that type of game that they got in that Akron win on Saturday. Were you surprised what's been made of that in the past 48 hours or so? Well, I'll be honest with you. I, you, know,
6: you, as you pointed out, I'm not on social yeah. media and don't care and don't really give a rip one way or the other what social media is saying. All I will say is that I was surprised that the gentleman got up there and stated it the way he did and put Tom on the spot like he did. I, you know, And I, I just don't think that's the way to handle it, but obviously this gentleman thought that was the way to do it. Uh, I'm not putting him down uh, for saying what a lot of people are saying, but at the same time, that was probably not the place to do it. And if his section of the, of the audience at the football games – Thinks that way, then they got to do something on their part of it. You don't need to do it in confronting the coach on a radio show.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly, the the first I thought of it was, I, I don't know how you could, you know, put the coach in that. Se- he, he seemed like he was trying to do it in the nicest way possible. No, I, agree. <laughs> but I agree. It was just, was it was really it. odd. Yeah, yeah.
6: I mean, he, he's a so. guy that's been to our show, our shows many times. Uh, I've talked to him briefly on a couple of occasions. Uh, he's, he's a nice man. Uh, I don't think he was trying to be hurtful, but he just he picked a bad time to do something like that. In my opinion, yeah, it
0: just seems I like mean, what, um,
6: the only way you Tom's get. Gonna, pe- John, what does he think Tom? What does he think Tom's going to say? Okay, well, fire him tomorrow. <laughs> what does <what is> he? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, the, the whole point is he he was trying to tell Tom Allen. That this is yeah. what you need to do. Well, if that's what he, if that's what he wanted to say to him, he should have come up to him after the show and said, "Tom, our whole section thinks you ought to fire the or the offensive coordinator." Well, that, again, that's that's his prerogative. He did what he thought he could do, but I will guarantee you this: he probably won't be on the microphone this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, first of wait, all, no, with the live mic. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. First of all, he won't be on the show this week because we don't have a show. after the. This is a bye week coming up. We won't have a show next Wednesday night. But I don't think it will happen in the near future either.
0: <laughs> so um, will we keep the live mic in play here at these shows the in the future? At, at this point, I have not been told we cannot.
6: So I don't know. I'll be honest with you. Uh, from my perspective, I always think it's good to have the audience participate. And I don't think that one scenario like this should alleviate that. If you know what I mean?
0: Did uh, Did anybody? I'm just kind of curious. Anybody at IU, you know, like from the the athletic department, Dulcet on down, have anything to say about that moment on Wednesday? Not to Not to me. No. Yeah. I like I said. I, I I stated it when I asked you that question that. It didn't seem that bad. And I understand what you're saying about, you know, putting Tom Allen on the spot right there. But it did seem like he tried to phrase it, you know, in, in the, the best, nicest way possible. And, and from what you read in social media, which I know you don't, they don't do it that way. That's not how they proceed in how they're talking about that team. So I, I guess it didn't have that, that profound of an effect on me as it did for others, I guess. So. No, I, I mean, here's what I would say to that. How many people... How many
6: people confront coaches? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yep. you almost never hear of anybody confronting a coach. I mean, this guy didn't really confront him. He just kind of made a statement. He didn't ask him a question. He just kind of made a statement. And I would argue that I can't remember ever in my entire 29 years or 27 years of covering Bob Knight's 29 in Indiana that anybody <laughs> ever went up there and did anything <laughs> close to that. And I'm telling you that, it, and I say not even close because I'm trying to remember whether there was ever a pointed question to Bob Knight over the years. Yeah, and, and that, truly, well, I don't
0: think so. Yeah, no. yeah.
6: It's, I mean, it's truly rare that anybody does something like that with any head coach, whether it's football or basketball, pro, college, high school, whatever the case may be.
0: Well, you and I share these stories all the time because when I started out in radio, I would run the board in Bloomington for your Bob Knight talk shows. And this was in the, um, in the latter portions, mid to later portions of the 90s when it wasn't so great. And there's right. no way you would want some kind of, of live mic going there. But I, I couldn't imagine, you know, basically prior to that time, I don't know how many times anybody would have anything really, at least a, an IU basketball fan, anything bad to say, about Bob Knight, but it did remind me of that one that you and I have talked about before with, with Kelvin Sampson. It was a little bit different, obviously, but when Kelvin Sampson was the coach and the guy got on there and, um, and said, Have you been to the wigwam? And, and, you know, in terms of, Have you been to Anderson's wigwam gymnasium there because of the, the basketball heritage? And, and clearly, Kelvin took it a different way. <laughs> so that's, that's the only one I could remember that, that caused. Uh, that kind of stir involving a caller or somebody that had a live mic like that. So
6: Exactly. Exactly. And again, let's let's point out here that social media today <laughs> takes off and anything that's said anywhere near, even if it's not controversial, yeah. it could be determined that way, if you know what I mean.
0: Can you imagine what social media would have done when you were doing the Bob Knight talk show and he was cleaning his gun? Or using the bathroom <laughs> or at the gas eating mashed potatoes? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think, I, I know that social media missed its
6: calling when Coach Knight was our head jerk. <laughs> oh,
0: well, uh, I think we're probably all better for it because we got to, there was, a, there was so much good out of that era. Right? So much good out of that era, it would have been dialed down quite a bit had social media been around then. <laughs> so. I think you're right, John. I think you're right. We're all, we're all, it's, it's like, I think about it like this. Like, I'm glad I grew up when not everybody could take an instant picture of you with whatever you're doing. That probably, like today, I'd be in jail 900 times. And, and back then, it was like, hey, whatever, yeah, do it. So I'm glad uh, in a lot of ways, technology was not. Not around back then in that fashion, so. Yeah,
6: and that's why I don't take advantage of it.
0: <laughs> uh, you're not missing out on much. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. You're not missing. You're not missing out on much. All right, where's Edgewood playing tonight? I didn't check this out. Edgewood, I believe, is at home tonight. My son
6: uh, is probably going to shoot me, but I can't tell you where they're playing tonight. (laughs) I've had a busy (laughs) week, and I just didn't get to it. And I was going to call him on my way to Bloomington, and he was teaching at that time, and I couldn't do it. So I haven't talked to him yet, but... Last week, they scored 25 points, which is, to me, was a victory in itself, even though they got beat by Indian <laughs> Creek. They, they got 25 on the board last week, which is the highest number since the opening game of the season. Uh, he is building it at some point. It's going to get much better. You just people have to be patient because it takes a little bit of time.
0: Well, it is it is tough. And you know what he can do? Uh, I don't know if it's going to make him feel better, but look what Bloomington North is doing. And look how many years Bloomington North, you know, had a bad season, was was always, you know, second fiddle in Monroe County to Bloomington South. And then, you know, in 5A, they're six and oh and rank number one. I mean, the worm, as they say, can can turn if you stay after it like that. There's no question, uh, and that's that's all. All the fans in Ellettsville
6: can say the same thing because they they know. And, and here's the good news: yeah. I haven't met anybody. Nobody's come up to me and said, <laughs> "Get rid of your offensive coordinator."
0: Uh,
6: yeah, uh, or, or they haven't said it to anybody else because I think they're pretty excited what Scott brings to the table and how he's cultivating a new culture.
0: The uh, the Mustangs get Sullivan. At home tonight on the that's red right, surface. That's right. I knew that.
6: yeah. Some place in back of my mind I knew it was sellable, but I forgot.
0: <laughs> the golden arrows. And and they get northview next week and they'll they'll beat the pants off of Brown County. So, coming up here on the 13th. So Sorry sorry about that, Brown County. I love you, Nashville, but they'll beat the pants off of Brown County. So, (laughs) we'll do that.
6: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to take that as a positive prediction.
0: (laughs) Yes. Do it. Please do. All right. You guys hit the air at 2.30 from College Park, Maryland tomorrow, correct? Yes, we do. All right. And then uh, uh, you're still going to join me next week, right, even though there's a bye week going on? You're still going to be here? Well,
6: I probably will join you. Uh, it just depends on whether or not the golf courses are closed.
0: <laughs> well, if it's a day like today, they won't be. You know
6: that. So. <laughs> I know. I know. No, I'll be. Uh, yeah. I'll join you next week, John. No problem.
0: And Yep. And then uh, once once you get clear, obviously, of the football season, you can, me and you, at uh, our table, on me, down there at uh, 135 and Whiteland Road. Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been
6: it. there a few weeks myself because of uh, high school football that I've covered and all the other things that are going on with our lives right now.
0: <laughs> so, um, a, the, the end of the story. So, last week, Hagan met me, and Hagan and Bob Kravitz and I went to a concert at Brown County Music Center in Nashville. Great concert, yeah. by the way. On the way home, Hagan said, hey, let's stop at um, in Morgantown at Frenchie's Pub, which... Kind of looks like a biker bar. And I immediately said, hell yeah, let's do it. Bob Kravitz in the back didn't want anywhere near it, right? So, <laughs> so we stopped because of that. <laughs> so we, we stop at Frenchie's Pub, and immediately this dude comes out the front door and goes, hey, man, this is JMV and Hagen. And uh, I said, yeah, and here's Bob Kravitz. And this guy, who was drunk and awesomely drunk, picked Bob up, and, like, his little legs were dangling like he was a little rag doll to this guy, swinging him back and forth.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob knew what he was saying, but he said he didn't want to stop.
0: <laughs> no, well, we made him, too. I go, no, no, no. You, hey, you, you got you to gotta broaden your brand here, all right? Broaden your brand. And uh, I was, I, we stayed for about an hour, and it was absolutely awesome. I don't think Bob thought it was as awesome as Chris and I did. But uh, it was awesome.
6: <laughs> well, how, how could two rednecks like you think it wasn't awesome? And you know he's a little more sophisticated.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> we fit right in there. I said, I'm coming back. I said, I'm going to give you guys a tavern tour stop because I love this place. Seriously. So it's, it's Frenchie's Pub in Morgantown is where we were. And, uh, and it was like watching Kravitz's little legs swing like that when he was getting lifted up was awesome. Awesome. I wish I had yeah. video of that. <laughs> so, hey, Dodd, have a great broadcast tomorrow. Two thirty pregame show on ninety-three WIBC and the IU Radio Network, of course. And uh, three thirty, things are underway against Maryland, the Terrapins, and that great offense. I appreciate you, buddy. Safe travels. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. We'll see you, bud. via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. For end of the show, another week of high school football as we enter into that on this Friday night from Indiana Sports Talk. And he's brought to you every Friday right here by your 14 Central Indiana. Joe Childers run CarX Locations. He is Bob Lovell, staked out down in Franklin this afternoon. Hello, Bob. Hey, John. How are you? Bob, I could not be better. I, I could not help glancing at the top of the 6A top Five. I mean, really, the further down you go here, um, you've got name recognition certainly uh, going up against one another, but the the records are a little off balance. Off. Uh, center a little bit here. I mean, for example, Centegra five and one, Pike one and five, Brownsburg six and zero, Zionsville three and three. Um, our our game tonight, I think it's Westfield five and one, Avon zero and six. It, it may not be the best Friday night for balance in terms of six A contest, is it?
5: I think, uh, you know, from that point, I think you're probably right. Uh, you know, you're midway through your conference schedule. So you have that as a factor. Uh, and you're also at a point where you're clearly beginning to see some teams distinguish themselves from others as you get ready for the tournament. You've seen, I think uh, the, you know, the cliche, you've seen the uh, pretenders separate from the contenders, so to speak. And so, uh, part of that's going on right now. But they're, they're still – hey, look, Ben Davis and Carmel, I'll, even though Carmel, you know, the record may not be as glossy, that's that's still number two versus number nine. That's a, that's a good game. And uh, there's some really, them really, really good games uh, around the state at uh, this time of year. You, you're, you, you know, you, you're bound to have some of these kind of things happen, John, record-wise, though. So still a really fun night, beautiful night. We're getting down to it. Listen – This Sunday is the pairing show. So if you want to start to get excited, this thing is going to start to get real very quickly.
0: This Sunday is the pairing show? Wow. October the 8th, baby. Pairing show. I thought we just kind of started this thing two weeks ago. (laughs) I was wrong.
5: (laughs) Well, uh, I was doing something I don't normally do, and that's look through my calendar to make sure it was where I was supposed to be.
2: And yeah. uh
5: I looked down and thought, wait a minute, no, that that is right. Uh I'm supposed to be there uh Sunday night with the IHSA to do that pairing show. And so uh it's here and it's um, it's gonna be a whole a whole lot of fun. There's 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 no question. October the eighth, that'll be that's that's next week actually, but you know, it's coming up soon. It's coming up very, very soon and we um you know it's, it, it does go by. We say it every year, but yeah. it's true. It, it flies by. It absolutely flies by.
0: So, Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline High School Friday nights coming up. Our game of the week's Westfield and Avon, as I previously mentioned, in, in 5A. I I don't know this. I don't know if you do or not. I I can't remember, though, growing up where I did and always getting, you know, Bloomington North and Bloomington South Right. and the then Bloomington Herald Telephone turning into the Bloomington Herald Times. I, I can't remember a time when North ever started out the season six and zero and now atop the list in the 5A poll. That's pretty impressive. I just can't remember a time when this has occurred.
5: I don't believe they have, quite frankly. It's, what's impressive is obviously them are number one, and uh, you look at, at, at Bloomington South is ranked number three, uh, and, and they've been steady all year long in, in that particular, yeah. in those slots. I mean, they, they've been that good. And they play, you know, their conference is really, really good, and they're playing great teams. And so, um, you know, East, Columbus East is not as good as they have been. Uh, that's who plays uh, Bloomington North, and I'm South is playing Columbus North, and so, you know, good, really good teams. Uh, and I think what's what's kind of neat is, that you know, outside we get kind of with our, with those, those of us being in Indianapolis, we kind of focus on some of those Indianapolis teams, you know, the Mick and that that kind of stuff. But this is it's great, this great football all over the state.
0: So, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, and you know, one matchup tonight is. Well, where you went to high school and starred, and where you live right now with with Plainfield, the, the Quakes, the Quakes took one on the chin last week against Decatur Central in a tight one twenty six twenty three. They get four and two, Franklin. So the past and the present of Bob Lovell meeting tonight in five A. There you go. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying I was a star, <laughs> because I was
5: <laughs> But, um, no, I mean, you know, look, Plainfield has uh, that lost it, that tough one last week. Thanks for bringing that up. But they've been playing mm-hmm. well. Tyler Bless, new coach, doing well. Got a good team. Franklin uh, has been really steady all, all year long. Both these teams have been. They don't make mistakes. They're really pretty well coached, uh, very similar to one another. Um, so, it's, you know, it should be a fun ball game. I know everybody here in town's excited about it, without question, and it couldn't be a better night for it.
0: Hey, Bob, in 4A, number one, we've talked about East Central prior. They're a 6-0, wow. and their closest game is a win over Cincinnati Molar, 38-28, can something be said about this schedule in southeastern Indiana uh, towards Cincinnati, the if you will, the I-74 corridor, can something be said about them not getting playoff-worthy with this regular season schedule that they're on right now?
5: Well, you know, they won the championship a year ago. And so um, right. and they're they're certainly in a direction in the same way. Uh, we, we really truly won't know until tournament time rolls around. But you would think uh, great scheduling or great opponents make you uh, better as you get ready to play the tournament. So, Well, I'm uh, assuming that's why they had Moeller
0: on the schedule. I'm assuming that's yeah, why they had yeah. Moeller, Bob, on the schedule. And I, I know they get Ron Colley, I think, in, right. in mid-October in that final regular right. season week. But besides that, I mean, it's 55-0, 42-0, 51-0, right, right. 42-7, 42-7. There's not been much testing going on there.
5: No, and, and you, you worry if you're essential. You, you, clearly, you worry about that in terms of when you play better football teams. But again, I point back to what they've been able to do. They understand it. The, the Mueller game tonight, uh, or the Mueller game, will be a great one uh, and find out a lot about themselves. But, you know, the game of the night in the state in 4A and in probably other classes is Evansville Wrights and Evansville Memorial. Yep. You got number two versus the Rights ball, too that at the bowl, and for those who've never been to the Wrights Bowl, it's the best place to watch, I think, the best place to watch football. It game is. In the state. I mean, it's, it's, it is. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. It, hey, Bob, let it's me explain crazy. it, too, and I'll
0: let you finish. I'm going to I'm I'm explain it and I'll let you finish, too. Um, it is on the bend in Evansville of the Ohio River, which is down below where it sits. And it is a glorious destination for a high school football game, especially as you mentioned, Bob. Two and three, Wrights and Memorial—one right, of these right. six and zero magnitude. That's nice. Uh, the, you know, there's, it'll be crazy, and and you're right. It's as if they carved out a
5: stadium out of a hill. Yeah, and it's, it's right there. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, you got the river right there. Uh, there's even right now there probably aren't very many seats available, and these are two really really good teams uh, playing each other. You don't have to say anything else other than just say rights and Memorial, and doesn't matter what sport they're playing. So that's a, that's a great game, and I you know I think well, you know it's going to be interesting to see who comes out of the South, obviously with East Central and one of these two teams, because there's some really really solid four uh, A teams down there.
0: To Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk, of course, uh, 3A, Chittard, uh, rough shot nearly over everybody so far at 6-0. Uh, and 0. Right. Um, And they get Andrian, I believe, coming up tonight, too, from, Andrian, from the armpit that. that's up that's in that. the uh, uh, yeah. northwest yeah. Indiana, yeah.
5: Yeah, Andrian's a good football team, and this will be a, a, a real challenge for Chittard tonight. But the way they're playing, uh, you have to feel good about what you're doing.
0: I uh I say that because Tony Donahue's with me right now and uh, he's from Hobart, which is <laughs> the armpit right there. Well, <laughs> he,
5: uh, he's he's a portage grad and
0: uh yeah or oh, portage, I'm sorry. He's, he's, he's around grad. Hobart, he's so but fondly. a portage grad, yeah. He's a
5: region boy, yeah. so he, he he's able to bring that up, no question.
0: All right, Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk is always brought to you by every Friday right here, your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX Locations. CarX.com, of course, the high school football game of the week here on the fan tonight. Features Avon, winless on the season, and Westfield getting handed a big-time loss by Brownsburg last week by a big number. Mm -hmm. That's your high school football game of the week at 7 o'clock tonight. Bob's got you covered tonight and tomorrow night on Indiana Sports Talk throughout this state of Indiana on Network Indiana. Bob, it's always an absolute pleasure, man. Soak it up and have a great weekend. Thanks a lot, John.